For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome in to a new edition of the Believe in Royals podcast. I'm Alex Hughes. There's Danner. Um, I, I think the name of this podcast kind of fits perfect uh, to what's going on because I'm still believing in the Royals. Are you still believing in the Royals, Danner? You know I am, man. Uh, I saw I saw an interesting stat this morning that showing different points in the in our schedule over the past few years where we had we're stuck at nine wins and we had far more losses than we do uh, now. So like, it's still, uh, you know, it, it's not great, but it's not uh, I'm not ready to jump ship and I won't be ever, but I think the biggest thing going for the Royals right now is yes, they're on an 11 game losing streak as we are recording this on Friday morning. But surprisingly um, because of their hot start, they're only six and a half games out of first place. Now, six and a half games seems like a lot, but in May, that's nothing. It's basically like one game back in the month of May. Because you figure this, how many times you still have to play the White Sox that are in first place? I mean, heck, they got four games in the next three days to play them. So, I, I think the biggest thing going, they're only four games below 500. If you told me that the Royals back in February, that in the month of May, the Royals are going to go on an 11-game losing streak and still only be under four games under, I, I think anyone would take that. Um, if they just get back to playing the baseball that they were playing in the month of April, they'll be fine. I, I think they're not going to win the division. Um, I, I think they are a wild-card team. Uh, they Obviously, their pitching is the spot that needs the most work on and I think uh, if that happens things could quickly change I think today we're playing two seven inning games in Chicago and baseball fans can say whatever they want to about seven inning games I think Mad Bum deserves no hitter even though he's the boogeyman I think if, if baseball says the game is seven innings it's a full game but with with a seven inning game especially two in one day that's uh less opportunity for the bullpen to come in those are shorter games. So if we can get ahead and stay ahead, I think it's so weird to be excited about that, but I think we have a much better chance of winning two games if they're both seven inning games, the way we're sort of scuffling right now. I think what also people are learning is just how difficult it is to win a major league baseball game. Yeah. I don't think we talk about that enough. I don't think we even talk about how hard it is to not only make a major league roster, but perform at the major league level. Um, people hammering Xander Lynch. Are you kidding me? Um, it's his second start. I think we need to talk more about just how difficult it is to win a major league game and also how difficult it is to perform at the major league level. It's the toughest game you'll ever play. I don't think I've told the story on this podcast yet, but if I, if I have stopped me, but I was at a, a fundraiser where uh, Alex Gordon and Jason Kendall did sort of a panel Q&A. And uh, one of the last questions somebody asked Alex Gordon was, if you have a kid who is, I have told the story about how hard it is to get to the major leagues. If you're at a, if you're at Kauffman Stadium on a Friday night, there are more people in the stands that night than have played in major league baseball. That's how hard it is to get there. So 
it's always funny to me and people do this with um i'm gonna jump to basketball for a second with lebron haters people always talk about how uh if lebron doesn't win the finals he sucks he's a terrible basketball player and you're like you don't make it to the major league or something and be a terrible player that's just not possible it's just that everyone else in the league is amazing as well so when you do have those mistakes and you do have missteps they show up huge and good teams take advantage of players and teams who make mistakes and i think we've had uh what's the lemony tickets uh, movie a series of unfortunate events yeah. and we still don't have uh adalberto Montesi back in the lineup you know he's he's just now doing rehab i'm very tempted to drive to arkansas this weekend i'm not going to do it because my wife would kill me but i'm uh there's a, a group going down and i'm very tempted to go but i mean when we were when we were up so big and in first place crushing it had the best ma- uh, record in the majors national writers and you know sports fans and randos dropping into my mentions were saying this is not who the Royals are. Um, and maybe that's not who we were. But now that we've lost, uh, you know, these, this many games in a row and we're, we're where we are, I don't think this is who the Royals are either. I don't think this is our baseball team. I think the reality is somewhere in the middle. And I hope it's higher than straight in the middle, but this is definitely not who we are. And that's a great point. You know, I think April, I, I think that's not the Royals, but the month of May is definitely not the Royals either. So I think... If you could get just in the middle of that, and I think they will because, like you said, Monacy is not back yet. He'll be back soon in a few weeks, uh, probably towards the end of May. So I think once you get him back, and again, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but we got Xander Lynch. I know it wasn't exactly um, – he, he, he struggled, uh, but I think maybe the third time through. And again, it's difficult to perform at the major league level. Um, I think it's definitely improvement of, of the last start he had. So I think if you just keep building on, um, and then uh, just for when the Royals make the call to Bobby Wood Jr., I, I think when you get him in the lineup, you get Montessi in there as well. And Solaire's starting to, I mean, he's always dangerous no matter what in the lineup, always a threat in there. Salvi's been incredible. Um, so I think it's a complete lineup. Ben Attendee's been really surprising me. Right yeah. What if you look if you look up and down our lineup? Um, it, it's hard to say that if you were to ask every night, are you performing at the top level you can, or are you experiencing the level of success you thought you would? No one's going to say they're satisfied right now. Um, you know, Whit Merrifield is sitting uh, in the, in the mid two fifties now. I, I didn't look this morning, um, but you know he's well below where he'd like to be, um, especially as far as number pits go. He is leading the league against stolen bases. That's great, but uh, you got to get on base and you have to have somebody after you uh, bring you home and move you over if you are going to get on base. So I think right now it's just uh, everything that can go wrong is going wrong. Uh, but I honestly don't believe this is who we are. Mm-hmm. I think these next four games, this is going out this morning, uh, Dana. So I, I think the next four games, uh, they got the doubleheader, as you said, today with the White Sox and then two more Saturday and Sunday. Um, I, I think this is the biggest series. Um, they gotta win at least one game. <laughs> oh, you have to, yeah. Like they have to split the game today, and just mm-hmm. win tomorrow or Sunday, and then you split the series. Um, so I, I think today you got Keller, and then you got Keller and Junis. Uh, Junis is starting second game. Yep. Yeah. And hey, it's seven innings. Seven innings. So in the first game, we're fake. Uh, we're facing uh, Giolito, which historically he owns the Royals. But um, 
I just think like to use the word historically in baseball, sure over the cross or over the 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 pace of 162 games, sure historically and statistically do come into play. But as we've said time and time again, baseball is wonky, and I don't think anyone saw the Royals losing 10 games in a row like this. So um, what if we win 10 games in a row after that? Or yeah, they didn't see us losing. We could go on a huge winning streak and nobody could see that coming too. I think that's what's beautiful about baseball is that crazy things happen. You know, talking about this crazy stat, it doesn't go in the world's favor, but Jason Stark tweeted this yesterday and I retweeted it. I, I was shocked. So the Royals in the last three full seasons, 2018, 2019, and then 2020, the Royals have had a 10-game losing streak or more. The Yankees have had one 10-game losing streak since, let me pull up the exact year. This is it's, a, it's a long time ago, right? It is insane. So the Yankees, let's see this. So Jason Stark tweeted, this is where I helpfully mentioned that the Yankees have had one double-digit losing streak in the last 110 seasons. Yes, it was in 1913. Good gravy. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? That's insane, man. That's insane if you think about it. Or I mean, it's hard to lose 10 games in a row. Like, like one would almost have to try to have that bad of luck, I think. But at the same time, you know, as we mentioned to, to start things off, I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm still just excited, and I still believe, you know, as we said before, compared to last season, you know, playing 60 games, um, and even at the beginning of this season, there was still some doubt before it actually started on when it actually would start. So we're still playing under rather extraordinary circumstances. So I think, um, I just think it's, it's too early to freak out. Um, you know, like I'll, I'll watch the, the Twitter timeline when football season starts, and maybe the Chiefs will be down by 10 in the first quarter, and football fans are like, it is over. I'm like, you are like 164th through the season, man. And, you know, we're not, we're, we're further along than that. We're through almost, you know, one and a half months of the season. Uh, but I, I just think it's too early to call it. We're what, 20% 20, 20 of the way through the season at this point, a fifth of the way. It is hard to dig out from being, you know, six games back. But like you said earlier, if you would have told me that we'd lose 10 games and still only be six games back, that's that's surprising. That shows that our, our division is still we can still compete in this division. We're not, you know, it's not all lost at this point. Right. And I mean, you look at how the standings are, and I, I think the Royals have the biggest benefit as well. It's also the same division as the Tigers and Twins. And, sure. Um, I'm sure Twins fans, I mean, talk about underperforming. I think that's the biggest surprise to me this season is how disappointed this Twins team is. Um they're in last place in the division. They have 12 wins. They're 12 and 23. I think if you would have told me that the Twins were going to be in last place, people had them winning the division, even going further than the White Sox. You picked the Royals to take the uh, the wild card spot before the season started. Is that what your I, pin tweet is? Yeah, I, I predicted that the Royals are going to be the second wild card team. I don't know who. I think I had the Blue Jays as the other wild card team. Um, let's see. So I had the Yankees, White Sox, and Angels winning the um, each division, then the Blue Jays, Royals, and then in the National League, I had the Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers, and the Padres and Mets. That's pretty much in, um, I mean, the Braves are also underperforming. See, like, this is the thing. 
Okay? So the Atlanta Braves, incredible team, in my opinion. They, they have one of the best rotations in baseball. One of the best. They're 17 and 20. They just have one more win than the Royals. So, I, I, for the people that are saying it's over, you know, the season's over, we need to fire this person, trade away this person, come on. Um, it's just ridiculous. Um, I haven't seen those tweets yet. Have you seen Royals Twitter freaking out, calling for fire, you know, fire Mike Matheny, trade this guy, put this guy down? There's been a little bit. Um, I, I don't, I don't really dive too much into the comments, but sometimes sure. I do. I haven't got I, some people have DM me, um, you know, saying I need to trade this guy or whatever. Um, it's it's early. Um, I forget who said it, but baseball split up into three parts. You got one third, one third, one third. The first one third is figuring out what your team is, because they always say like it's the first forty games to sixty games. That's when you figure out who this team is, what the team identity is. The team identity changes each year, as Ned Yost said. And then the 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 second third of the season, you figure out okay. What do we need to improve? How can we improve this team? And then the third part of the season, the last half, mostly it's your division that you're competing against. So it's like, okay, so we're taking what we believe is the best team we got. How can we win games and then get into the playoffs? So I, I think the Royals are still in that case. Difficult to kind of see sure. okay, who this team is. Because you start off hot, now you go through the slump. So it's like, Okay, what's next? When do you take that turn and turn? So I think, um, I, I think what's so interesting to me, Danner, is, is how optimistic the players and coaches and front office staff are still. Um, because in this day and age, I, I think we've seen teams underperform at some moments in time, and you kind of lose the clubhouse or you lose the front office, and then you see. You know, people getting traded away, and it's like, oh, wait a second. Like, back in April, this team was legit, and now they're not. So it's like, where's the buy-in? Um, and Whit Merrifield, he said it back when the losing streak kind of started. He's like, what, did he think there's going to be tulips and roses this whole time? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So it's like, I, I think, you know, before the season started, people had the Dodgers winning like 120 games. And they're fighting to say 500. Um, so it's like... Do we think the people think that the Royals are going to win 120 games? I, I think it's just, again, people need to realize just how difficult it is to win a Major League Baseball game. Um, so and that's what I have for that. But I think um, it helps to look at the culture as well, and that's something we've talked about. Um, it's something that Ned talked about. It's something that George Brett talked about. It's something that Bob Fesco talked about. Um, is that these guys genuinely love each other and they have this strong clubhouse relationship. A team that doesn't have that and that's experiencing the adversity they're experiencing, it's going to look like a dumpster fire. Guys are going to be calling each other out publicly. Dudes are going to give uh, really negative, uh, uncomfortable interviews. And we're not seeing that yet. Sure, they're acknowledging uh, that, that losing stinks. And everyone knows that. They don't have to say that. Uh, but you're not seeing guys, uh, you know, having an attitude on the field. You're not you're not seeing the wheels aren't coming off publicly, you know, um, I'm sure they're having some uncomfortable conversations behind closed doors, but in what we're seeing, um, this is a team that still has everyone's back. 
What did you see? Um, sorry, dude, go ahead. No, you go ahead. What did you see um, when, you, when you saw Bobby Witt Jr. at the, at the alternate site? And how do you think um, how we're playing now and sort of our record affects the timeline of him coming up to the majors? Well, I, I would say, I, I mean, like I said back in the early part of the month, the month of May is going to determine this Royal season. Um, I, I think it could go both ways now because I was thinking like, man, like if <laughs> you never think that you're going to go on an 11 game losing streak, but I was like, well, if the Royals start struggling in the month of May, maybe they'll keep Bobby down, you know, because there's not a, we need him now. Like in Seattle right. Mariners case, they, they're fighting, but the Mariners almost have the same record as the Royals. So you could make the argument there. Like, do we need to Jared Kennewick up right now? Um, so it's like, how do you um, determine that? I, I don't think this 11-game losing streak affected the status of Bobby Wood Jr. I think the fact of the matter is if he's performing, and if, you know, Dayton Moore and Mike Matheny and front office staff, if they believe that having Bobby Wood Jr. on the major league roster is going to help win ball games, they're going to do it. Um, I don't think it's a matter of if, it's just a matter of when he gets that call. Um, he had a home run two nights ago. He's starting to hit the ball better. Um, he struggled at the beginning, but again, difficult. You know, people need to understand just how difficult this game is. Um, it doesn't matter how great you are. <laughs> this game is difficult. Um, so once he gets started, I, I think – Maybe by the end of the month, maybe, um, I would think. So it, it just all depends on how things play out. I also want to talk about uh, Montessi, his first rehab start uh, yesterday. He went over three with the walk and a strikeout. And I know that people on Twitter, uh, which is a platform not known for measured takes, are going to say what they're going to say. But this is a guy who hasn't really seen game action since the end of March. Um, this is also a guy who's in fairly low leverage situation in double a. So like, yeah, we want to see him. I would love to see him go four for four with four grand slams. You know, that's what we want modesty to do before he comes back to the majors, but he's still working on stuff and, and getting his timing back. Like you said, hitting, hitting a major league pitch is very difficult. I remember going to Omaha a few years ago and uh, watching Paulo Orlando play for the storm chasers. And when that guy came up to the majors in, you know, 2014, 2015, he just burst onto the scene, hitting triples, super fast, dude. It was crazy. But then watching him play in AAA, he couldn't hit the ball. It was like he could not see the ball and didn't have a plan at the plate. And it was almost kind of sad. And I think people want to compare that to, to modesty performing what he did. Yes, oh, he didn't hit the ball. I didn't get a hit at all. But the guy hasn't swung at a major league pitch or at a professional pitch since March 29th in, in, a, in a live game situation. And even then, that wasn't a game that mattered. So... I just think it's it's too early to freak out about that for sure. I mean, you hear it all the time. Just the the nasty stuff that everyone has. Um, just look at what Jacob Degrom is doing. Okay, I know he's hurt right now, but that's what these guys are seeing. It is difficult. Um, I mean, I don't know if these new baseballs um, has any effect to it. Uh, it's interesting because you know you'll be watching a game. And it's like, man, that ball got hammered. Like, you would have never thought that ball would have went out. 
and then you're watching it and you're like that's going out and then it dies right in the outfield so it's like i don't know like it's like well people still have a lot of home runs you know like i i just don't understand um but then i mean last night the indians and mariners game zach Plezak had a no hitter going into the eighth inning so it's like if he had a no hitter that was a buy in the first six weeks of the season like i tweeted I said it almost seems like getting a hit is more rare than having a no hitter this season. <laughs> right. It keeps happening like every single week. When you can you can talk about the ball not being as lively as it was before, but that's not going to play into uh, batters just straight missing hitting it. Right. it it's going to affect those guys. You know, guys like Giancarlo Stanton, dudes who mash, are still going to hit balls the distance they're going to hit. It's the guys that are in that mid level that balls with the ball juiced or a little more lively probably hit more home runs than they normally would have or normally should have. Those guys are going to see a drop off in production as far as home runs go. Um, But it's not affecting their ability to make contact with the ball. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's just because what's so interesting about the game and how it's shifted now is it's literally three outcome baseball for the most part. I think it's 95% of the hitters in the game. That's not a real stat. It's just my opinion with that 95%. So anyone that's going to get on there and say, well, it's actually like 75% of players, they're just always going up there for a home run. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we talked to Susan Wallman on my other podcast I do with Jackson Ryan, and she said because they literally don't care. The analytics team does not care um, if you fly out or whatever um, or you strike out. They, The Yankees analytics team does not care if you strike out. Because if you were going up there the home run, if you hit a home run, that, in theory, makes you have a higher chance to win a ball game. So when you strike out or you fly out, it's like, okay, well, you were going up there to hit a home run. So that's okay. So I guess when you have guys like Aaron Judge and John Carlos stand in the lineup trying to hit home runs, sure, that works. But it, when you have every nine hitters in that lineup trying to hit a home run and forgetting about um, getting a base hit, it's challenging. And I think the same goes for a pitcher now. There's no incentive to pitch a complete game. There's no more, like, guys like Nolan Ryan and guys like um, Tom Seaver, like those guys, right, uh, Randy Johnson, they never wanted to come out of the game. Nowadays, like once you get a quality start, once you get six innings, you give up a run or two, strike out ten guys, you're like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, if you're in line for the win, everything's right. cool. Yeah. Yeah, if you get the win, it's it's like it, it's it's the system now. And then it's like if you get through the lineup two times through and unscathed, you come out of the game. And it's all right. Bad. So I think it, it's just it's the game has just changed not saying whether it's a good thing or not it's that's how the game has changed and um is one way the right way or wrong way i i i can't say but what you can make the observation of is obviously the game has changed i i think it's also changed with just the culture of society um with you know how it is with, with noting that um, that change in the game and the philosophy of pitching, how long do you think we are committed to Daniel Lynch if he doesn't turn it around? Do you think he's he's here to stay, or do you think there's a possibility that he'll get sent back down to work on some things? I 
was thinking about that last night. Um, he made it through. I think he faced. Uh, he got eight outs yesterday, I believe. Um, so it's coming close to three innings pitched, something like that. This is my. I was thinking about this. It's like half of me, part of me wants to think, okay, maybe he needs to go back to AAA for a, you know a few weeks, because they were talking about. I think they said they saw something to where it might have been skipping pitchers or not. I read that. Yeah. That figured out. Um, but then the other side, I mean, is like, that's a big call up, right? It's almost like a commitment to where it's like, okay, you make the call up. Like if Jared Kennelly, right, with the Mariners, like, let's say he's two weeks in and maybe he has like, maybe he's like two for 25. Are you going to send him back down? Or is it like just that adjustment period to the major league level? Um, again, like we've said a few times now, just how hard it is to perform. So it's like you make the call up to bring Daniel Lunch up. He's not winning a Cy Young in his first two starts, so then you just set him down. So it's like, what is the long? Is it going to hurt him even more by setting him down? Because now you got to build his confidence back up. Right. All of that. So I think if it was me. I would keep him up, maybe move him to the bullpen or, you know, bring him in to where, God forbid, something happened, right, and you can lose him in long relief, get him settled back in, work something through, and then add him back in. Uh, so I, I think it, it's just all dependent on at least give him one more start. Oh, for sure. One more start. Um, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't remember seeing what his next start is going to be. I don't know if they have announced that yet. Um, with a doubleheader today because I think they've kind of been operating because this pitching staff has been um, overused in the last right. two weeks. So it's kind of dependent on what happens with these doubleheaders and, and then going through with, with the White Sox. And so uh, to be honest, if it was me, I would keep Daniel Lynch up for at least two more starts. I think it's tricky. I mean, I, th I think it's tricky because you bring a guy up and you say, you're a big league pitcher now. Um, and I think everyone would agree that what we've seen from him so far is not what we want, nor what we've expected to see. However, uh, immediately sitting a guy down when he, when he arguably hasn't shown you his best stuff or has mechanical things to work through, people think he's tipping pitches. That doesn't show a lot of dedication or commitment to developing, developing him or making him, you know, feel comfortable at the major league level. And I think that can send messages good and bad to your pitching staff as well as throughout your minor league system that if you I mean I think everyone knows that being on a major league roster and and being an everyday player is a blessing and it's something that you're super fortunate to achieve and no one takes that for granted I, I don't think anyone feels that way about Daniel Lynch right now but I think if you immediately send it back down it, it shows sort of a lack of commitment to developing these guys and giving them the chance to succeed um, and honestly we've lost 10 games in a row uh, and you could say how much worse could it get? I mean, it could always get much worse, but it's not like we're in first place right now and you could trace everything back to one guy. You know, if, if we were in first place and then every start he throws was the only games we're losing and he's the reason that we've fallen down, I think you look at that. But we have systemic issues right now. Um, it's hard to point out just one thing and people want to blame pitching, but if you lose a game, you know, three to nothing, it's hard to blame the pitching for that. Just in yesterday's game, one for 11 with runners for runners in scoring position. And you have a Carlos Santana, right? Uh, 
when he's stringing three o. Um, so it's like when you have situations like that, like you can say, well, what about this guy and this guy? But the thing is, in the last eleven games, it's not been one guy. It's been the whole yep. team. They have a game plan. They're not just executing it. So once they start executing the game plan and, and things go along those lines, it will be fine. So. Um, as we said in the beginning of this podcast, as we wrap up, we're still believing in the Royals, and it's still early on in the season. Any final notes, Jeremy? Dude, I'm ride or die. I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm here to watch this team as many games as I can. I'm excited to go out to the K next week. I'm going to go check out one of the Brewers games. It's fun to go out there and uh, cheer your guts out for Locaine when you get to see him back at the K. Um, I am I am bummed about the schedule last year. We didn't get to go out and uh, – and cheer for Hosmer when he came back. So it was always fun to see guys um, come back to the K and, and have that warm welcome. That'll be a fun, bright spot, regardless of what happens over the next four games in Chicago. That's something to look forward to as a Royals fan, I think. And a little reunion with uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Andrew Benatendi. What's that? And a little um, a reunion with Jackie Bradley Jr. and Andrew Benatendi. Yeah, there you go. I, I couldn't hear you for a second. But yeah, but, I mean, it, there's a lot to look forward still. Um, the season is not over. Um, We've got this. Don't panic, man. There, there's a Twitter account called Royals Panic Button. And every once in a while, I'll see tweets are made. And I'm like, all right, I get it. But I'm still not there yet, man. <laughs> Believe in the Royals. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Stay with us. Follow us on social media. And again, catch the Royal games this weekend. Big series with the White Sox starting today. So for Danner, I'm Alex Hughes. Have a great rest of your Friday, and we'll be seeing you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.